Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. You're confident when it comes to your work and life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same confidence when it comes to refinancing your existing mortgage or buying a home. It lets you understand all the details so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. Go to rocketmortgage.com fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. This is the Friday, December 29th show, the last Industry Focus of the year. If you've been with us all week, you know that we're releasing a four-part 2017 awards show this whole week, and this is the final episode. If you haven't caught the others yet, it's probably best if you go back and listen starting with Tuesday. We're in the home stretch now, and the next award is not for a company or a person or a product. Well, it's kind of for a person, I guess. It's actually for a listener. So no one loves the subject of this award more than Michael Douglas. So I'd like to hand the mic over to him to introduce this one. Thanks, Christine. <laughs> <laughs> listeners of the financial show on Monday know that I tend to like to start a conversation with our listeners by offering them opportunities to dig in more to different trends that I discuss on the show. And you know what? It's something I'm going to keep doing. So yes, we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the best listener emails we've gotten. We actually have a number of nominations here. But first, I thought we would pitch it over to our man behind the glass, Austin Morgan, for his nomination. My nomination comes because it is the only email I got this year. <laughs> so, so to be clear, folks, if you email us at industryfocusatfool.com, you can absolutely address things to Austin, and he'll reply to you, too. I will. I did reply to this email. <laughs> I got this email. I don't remember what show it was, but it was maybe the tech show. And I, th- it was, I think it was, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was I can't remember what the, why I was giving you these tips, but <laughs> one of my tips was never go to Waffle House after midnight. And I got a response via email to some, a fool who was traveling west coast to east coast who stopped at a Waffle House well after midnight. That's awesome. I, I do love when, so I don't know that we've had any other emails specifically addressed to you, but I do love when people will email us and comment on the sound quality because yeah, it's pretty guys, excellent. You do a great job. the listeners have any questions or comments or anything that they want to hear differently or if it sounds good or if it sounds bad, email us. Like Michael Douglas says. At industryfocus <laughs> at fool.com. Like me, Austin loves receiving emails. Actually, like all of us. Everyone here loves talking through and answering listener emails. It's really one of the best parts of our job, especially when we get a chance to really just dig in on something. So, given that we love volume of emails, uh, my nomination for the best email actually goes to a set of emails, more like an onslaught of emails that we got in response to our puzzle theme week that we did back in May. So we gave out, for those of you that are newer listeners to the show, we gave out a clue per day back in May, and we offered a prize to the first 10 people to write in with the complete set of answers from Monday through Friday's shows. Now, the clues were given out at the very end of our show, which is generally about 20 20 to 30 minutes. So if I had to pick just one email that is my favorite, it would be the very first email that we got with a complete set of answers. The show dropped at like, I don't know, 3.21 p.m. 3.30. This this guy, okay, 3.30 sharp. Austin, sure, you know, you you are in charge of that. I I take your word over mine there. So it dropped at 3.30 p.m. on the dot. This guy emails us at like, 
3.30 and 30 seconds. <laughs> and we're like, we're all kind of mind blown because we hadn't anticipated that somebody would just fast forward to the part where Dylan doing the Friday show <laughs> gives away the final clue. And in fact, we had all 10 listeners, the ones that received the prize, email us with the complete set before 20 minutes had gone by that the show was live. Which goes to show how bad we would be at winning our own puzzle contest. Yeah. <laughs> yes, y'all would have beaten us. Um, also, so I am going to pull a Vince here and actually pitch another thing. So I have a runner-up email that I also really got a kick out of. So right after Halloween, Todd and I recorded a show, and we were just making idle chit-chat in the beginning of the show. And we mentioned the movie The Shining. Um, it, I, I forget why. I think I was like, Todd, what was the best Halloween costume that you saw? And he mentions this movie. And I, I don't watch movies, as I'm sure our regular listeners realize. And so I'm like, I don't really know what that is, but that's cool. And so a listener sent in a picture of what I take to be him and his wife dressed up as the creepy twins from the movie. And meanwhile, nobody else that got that email on the cast of Industry Focus had any idea that I had talked about this on the show. So this email comes in, and the, the subject line is just, The Shining. <laughs> and it's this gigantic sideways turns picture of these two like adults dressed up as creepy children, which I thought was just wonderful. And you could see us all gradually backing away from Christine's desk pretty much as soon as we all got that email. And to be clear, at Full HQ, we have rolling desks, so it's quite possible to <laughs> remove yourself. Yeah, I just sent a reply all of that, and I was like, oh, I got this one. It's for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the other thing, because we all sort of looked at each other and were like, uh, <laughs> whose is this? <laughs> yeah, we all get pinged with those emails. So if there's something specific about one show that you're addressing, uh, it will hit the inboxes of every single host. Something good to know, perhaps. Um, I have a submission for best listener email, and this is kind of a category bending submission, but I think it's the spirit, not quite the letter of the law here. And you're going to have to bear with me because I'm going to have to speak another language that I don't speak to actually say it. This comes from a tweet. Genom snitsen Americanum har sextant tu sen dollar, I credit corkelsen obitaler, I snit on ranta pi phantom percent. Poo. That is Swedish, and it translates to probably not the way I said it, but the way, but the way it was written. The average American has $16,000 in credit card debt and on average pays an interest rate of 15%. <laughs> the reason that this Swede was tweeting about American credit card debt is that he heard it on the 1030 episode of Industry Focus, and his friend hit him up on Twitter to ask how he learned it, and they got into this exchange about Industry Focus. The reason I think this is so amazing, I love the puzzle one, I love the Waffle House one, this one's great too, um, it just goes to show that we are not speaking solely to a U.S. audience, and it's it's really, for us as hosts, I think really incredible to see the reach of the show and uh, all the parts, all the different conversations that we're a part of. I feel like this is that moment in the Hallmark movie where everyone's like, this is the true meaning of Christmas. Well, leaning on from Dylan's <laughs> far afield, my best listener email is also uh, somewhere close to my heart, a fellow Brit. So I think he gets extra credit. But um, Cam Kane first wrote to us back in September when I first started, started on the Energy Show and asked if we could cover some oil companies um, that were uh, foreign or not, not U.S. domestic, uh, which led to the October 12th episode about oil stocks with a foreign flair with Tyler Crow. And he has subsequently emailed in with some great ideas for the show. He has some really insightful opinions about the future of electric. Um, and he's just an all-around nice guy. So that's my submission. 
That's lovely. <laughs> I think they're all great. <laughs> I think they're all great, but I, I want to put my vote behind Austin's for a reason that I don't actually think came up in his pitch, and that was the subject line of this email, which, if you recall, his advice was, don't go to Waffle House after midnight, 2 a.m.? After midnight. And the subject line comes in, will I did. <laughs> W-I-L-L. I think that email also goes to show that you can write in with non-financial questions. You can write in with just life commentary. We think it's fun. Actually, one of the really cool things that's just outside the studio is on the Motley Fool Answers podcast, at one point they asked folks to write postcards from cool places that they were traveling to. And there's just this big bunch of postcards out there. Now, I'm not saying you need to write us postcards. Emails will do just fine. But it's really cool to hear from listeners whenever we get the chance to. So thank you. Where can they reach you at? Industryfocus at fool.com. Or on Twitter at MF Industry Focus. And I will add to that, uh, on Twitter we do get questions every now and then, do we still do tours of HQ? Um, the answer is yes. If you write in or shoot us, an, uh, shoot us a note on Twitter, um, we can coordinate that. And if you want, even just hang out for a taping while we do the show. We also have a Facebook group. It's called Motley Fool Podcast. Request to join that, and we'll be sure to add you. There's a lot of insightful discussion and many various Oreo flavors that are posted pretty regularly. <laughs> so if you're interested in either of those two things, <laughs> hop on over there. All right, do we, do we have any more votes, or are we just going to be like, yep, yeah, those are all winners, because I'm kind of leaning towards the latter. Ditto. Same. All right. Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. With Rocket Mortgage, you can apply simply and understand fully so you can mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. So, it is now time for the Big Kahuna, the award you've all been waiting for. And this is most likely to succeed. We have Michael and Dylan that are going to be contending here. Who wants to go first? This is going to end poorly for me. (laughs) So, I might as well lead off. If you pitch Bitcoin. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually going to pitch a stock that listeners to the financial show will be somewhat familiar with because I did a deep dive on it with Matt Frankel just a few weeks ago. Bofi holding. That's ticker B-O-F-I. In banking, I believe that costs predict your future. A bank that keeps its costs down pockets more cents out of every dollar it earns, meaning that it can achieve average or above average profitability even while offering more attractive loan and deposit rates than its competitors. That in turn means it can attract borrowers and customers with lower credit risk. So when the credit cycle turns and people start defaulting on their loans, and it always does, and folks always do, eventually, such a bank is insulated from the worst of the downturn. Bofi used to go by the name Bank of Internet, which is probably what most people tend to know it as. It's an online-only bank, as you can kind of imagine, so its costs are incredibly low. You can see that with its efficiency ratio, which is basically a measure of profitability. The lower the percentage, the better. Gold standard among banks is under 60%. Bofi's last quarter, 40 and a half, 40.49%. That extra 20 percentage points of cost saved means it can offer attractive terms to its customers and get very creditworthy borrowers as a result. During the depths of the financial crisis, when banks were going out of business because their loan books were collapsing and the big banks were posting 4 and 5% or more of loans non-performing, Bofi topped out at 1.5%. Only a fraction of which they ever ended up writing off because they were able to uh, retrieve most of it. Oh, and add to the fact 
that this company has been growing like a weed. Over the last four years, it's almost tripled net revenue and earnings per share. You've got a business that thrives when times are good and does just fine when times are bad. And now that they have come out on the other side of a lot of allegations that popped up in 2016 uh, regarding uh, some issues with auditors, none of which were ever proven, uh, I think that it's a company that is incredibly undervalued compared to its growth opportunity and its fundamental creditworthiness. Something that's kind of curious to me with that, Michael, I, I only know Bofi because a lot of fools follow Bofi, and I don't have a good feel for um, the banking space kind of as a consumer. Mm -hmm. Do you find that they are easy to find for consumers and that they have that presence? Because I would think, you know, as someone looking to, um, you know, set up a new checking account or take out a loan, something like that, driving around town, you'd realize, okay, there's the Bank of America branch there. Do you find that people struggle to find Bofi, or, or is it that their customer acquisition is pretty seamless? So I think because they're not there and you aren't driving past them, I think that it's a little bit harder to find them. In a lot of ways, though, what that means is that people who are really looking for a deal and people who are really financially savvy are the folks who tend to find them. Which, when you think about that from a credit worthiness perspective, you know, as a bank, you want people who are financially savvy because those are the people who, yeah, they're going to demand more, but they're also probably going to be a safer risk when you're loaning them money. And so I think that's a very attractive. I, I would say, in to put things in tech speak, it's a feature, not a bug. Ooh, look at that. When you said you were going to be pitching for Most Likely to Succeed, I was a little worried that you were going to pitch something in the payment space. Uh, that is a space that I've been following quite some bit. It's something that kind of straddles tech and uh, financials. And that's actually a space I was thinking about pitching myself. You know, Square and PayPal uh, have been two great companies to own. Um, ultimately, I decided not to, though I do think that that space is great and really ripe for great returns. Um, I am pitching uh, the gaming space and specifically gaming companies. And so um, I talked about this a little bit on a recent show with Dan Klein, but as someone that wasn't a hardcore gamer, uh, it took me a little while to come around to the idea of esports and really what that market might look like. But you look back at the last couple of years, the traditional game publishers have performed incredibly well. They have multi-bagger returns over the last five years. This year in 2017, Activision Blizzard up 75%, Take-Two Interactive up 120%, Electronic Arts up 33%. All three of them have crushed the market's return of 18% this year. You look forward at some of the forecasts for what esports might turn into. Uh, there are thoughts that the audience could grow by 50% uh, between now and 2020, and that the market will double in revenue to roughly $1.5 billion in that year. Activision Blizzard, in particular, has been a really incredible stock to own over the last three to five years. I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, and I think that. Frankly, these stocks and this space benefits from a lot of people doubting it and, and not really being able to wrap their head around the fact that people who like to game, uh, which is an increasing population, are happy to sit in front of a computer and watch other people on Twitch or um, understand, uh, you know, like maybe watch tutorials or how to get through certain levels. There's a very big market there and kind of the nature of entertainment and um, people's willingness to not play traditional sports and go toward digital sports, that appetite is just getting bigger and bigger. It's interesting, because it took me a long time to come around to this idea as well, that people were willing to sort of 
watch other people play games. I'm a, I'm a gamer. I played Blizzard games back before it was acquired by Activision. So we're talking original Warcraft, Warcraft 2, Starcraft, some of these really old games. And the idea of like watching somebody else do it is sort of like, why would I do that? Why wouldn't I play it myself? But it, it's a real thing. I've seen it. Yeah, and I was talk- when I, I mentioned I was talking to Dan Klein, he said, you know, his son watches tutorials all the time for like how to play certain levels. Um, and you know, as we get kind of this more fragmented understanding of entertainment, you know, uh, I think streaming cable is one of those things. Um, I think it kind of gives rise to all these uh, maybe traditionally niche interests. Uh, you know, I think gaming is kind of one of the perfect examples where you give people more options, they're going to self-select into things that they really enjoy. Now that there's a platform for it. I would just like to add, I think the esports push and this popularity uh, among gamers to kind of interact and see people on Twitch, for example, play their favorite games. It also speaks to the change, I feel, in the competitive levels of gaming. You know, I think back to the original consoles, you think PlayStation, PlayStation 2, you're not hooked up to the internet. You're not playing against other people unless, you know, they're sitting on the couch with you, for example. But now you can play with people all against people all over the world. I feel like the the competition levels in these video games rises up because you have so many opportunities to get better, compete against all these other players, and it really adds to that element of, hey, I want to see how the best players are doing this, how they're playing this certain strategy, for example, so that I can be that good and be better when I play too, and it all kind of adds together into this tailwind for the industry. Yeah, and, and there are a bunch of different ways um, that esports can kind of be a tailwind. I think when you look at these publishers, um, I, I think they all look pretty good. They all offer people slightly different things. Activision Blizzard is kind of your your Titan, fairly more diversified. Uh, Electronic Arts has uh, their franchise staples. They're in all of the sports games, and so they have these releases coming out every year that are updates, pretty reliable and, and kind of predictable, and so the growth's a little bit lower there. And Take-Two is this upstart. Um, if I had to pick one, Activision Blizzard, I think, is the kind of the the play there, but I certainly think all three are particularly interesting because they have a ton of exposure to this very quickly growing space. I, w- I would go with Dylan. I mean, I I just think esports, um, even if you take uh, the the gaming companies aside from esports, if you look at what they're doing with digital revenue in game purchases, it's just going to open up a whole new world for them. And I think that it's really great source of revenue because once you've created that game and you've invested all the time in making all the characters and creating the universe to actually make additional content is not that doesn't cost you that much but the amount that they're receiving for it they don't have to pay uh, any third party to hold the game for them they don't have to do any shipping or anything like that it's all digital so it's all basically going straight to their bottom line yeah, digital sales are incredibly high margin for them, and this model changing where people are online it lends itself to microtransactions, and so you see a lot of additional revenue coming in that way. As an Activision Blizzard shareholder, I have to also go with Dylan. <laughs> I'm sorry, Michael, but no, that's okay. But I will say that fortunately, in your portfolios, you don't have to just buy one. So this is a category where you could choose them all. There have inevitably been some companies that we missed, and we would hate to slight them. So, for our final award, in the millennial spirit, we have the Participation Award. <laughs> we don't have a whole lot to say about you, but <laughs> you were there. <laughs> it, was, it was 2017 and you participated. <laughs> Who has a nominee? So, I'm going to go with a slightly different take on it, which is, I think this company needs a Participation Award because they ought to have an award for something. And that's 
Wells Fargo. (laughs) (laughs) Which, here's the thing. So you're probably thinking, oh, Wells Fargo. They had that whole issue with making a bunch of accounts for people who didn't need them or want them or know that they had them. And (laughs) Keep digging. (laughs) Fair enough. But there was some interesting news that also happened in 2017 for Wells Fargo. So, for example, uh, they'd initially said that it was about two main accounts in mid-late 2017. They disclosed that it was actually closer to three and a half million. So that's an extra, you know, million and a half or so tacked on. Oh, also... It came out in July, this is a New York Times report, that Wells Fargo had charged over 800,000 people uh, for auto loans, for uh, with 800,000 people with auto loans for auto insurance that they didn't need or want, leading to 25,000 wrongful car repossessions. And, yes, exactly. And while we're on the topic, frankly, earnings at this company haven't been great either. Um, when you look at... Um, the efficiency ratio, which is something that we were talking about earlier, 60% or lower is what you want. They've climbed up to 66%, which is a lot higher than where they've historically been, mostly in the upper 50s. Revenues down year over year, earnings per share is down year over year, largely due to legal expenses. Basically, it's been a rough year for them. And so I think that in the spirit of the participation award, Wells Fargo should get one. As someone that is slightly out of the loop with financials, what has that done for their stock over 2017? So it's interesting. Wells Fargo's stock is actually up year to date, but by a lot less than the other big banks. And is that because of the anticipated uh, kind of reduction in regulation? Uh, So it's in part reduction in regulation. It's also in part interest rate increases. Actually, the Fed just announced another uh, interest rate increase, and they have indicated that there are three more incoming next year. And so as interest rates increase, the way that works with banks is you're getting, let's say you've got a savings account with a bank, and you're getting, I don't know, let's say a quarter of a percent, right? So if interest rates increase, they will probably increase that a little bit. So if interest rates increase by 0.25%, points, then they might boost yours by maybe a tenth of a percentage point or something like that. But then they'll boost their loans on the other side by even more. And that difference is the arbitrage, which is basically their profitability. So profitability, underlying profitability for the big banks and for most banks should improve over time because of rising interest rates. Okay, great. Uh, Who else participated this year? (laughs) Uh, my participation award uh, nomination is probably for somebody that I think genuinely deserves a pat on the back for still being around <laughs> in 2017. Is, this, is it Sears? <laughs> it's not. I'm not going to uh, get into Vince's tough. Um, so Transocean is the world's largest offshore drilling service provider with a market cap of $3.5 billion. You may recognize the name from the Deepwater Horizon disaster of 2010. Uh, since 2014, as we all probably know, there's been a very large drop in the price of oil, and that has led to many people avoiding offshore uh, oil drilling because the cost is so much higher than Middle East crude or shale. Um, So the stock is down 35% year to date, but it is still here. And the same can't be said for other offshore drillers that have declared bankruptcy this year. So congrats, Transocean. Uh, Sea Drill has filed for bankruptcy protection after working out a debt deal. Pacific Drilling filed Chapter 11 with the aim of restructuring its debt. So uh, I think that Transocean deserves the participation award because A, they're still around. B, uh, they're surviving on recrunt contracts previously agreed, as well as uh, an acquisition that has given them a backlog of new rig deals, and um, some uh, they've actually won some new contracts, which is seems crazy in this industry right now. So, voters, you have an interesting decision to make now. Are you going to go with the participation award for legitimately, congratulations, or 
are you going to go with the participation award for wow that's the only positive thing we can think of we wish you hadn't participated (laughs) (laughs) i think for this category in the spirit of a participation award, <laughs> you guys both win. <laughs> you know what? Till and Vince, we didn't pitch for this one. We didn't participate. Yeah. Sarah, Michael, wait, wait to participate in nominating some participant award. So you nominees. did get one award, Michael. I, I did. I'm glad that I didn't even win on points. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just the worst award to have, though. It's like <laughs> most improved in soccer, which I did win, actually. <laughs> I, I want you to know, I won... I once won the sportsmanship trophy in tennis. Oh, wow. And let me tell you, that was not because it's of not my even team sport. Yeah, exactly. I was just very good at shaking people's hands and gracefully acknowledging my defeats. Mm-hmm. I think that's how participation awards work. Everyone gets one. <laughs> everyone, everyone that participates. We were on the show. Yeah, everyone that we participates get too. gets an award. So what's the final tally here? I, I think my participation award might be my only, my only win here. You didn't pitch a company, though. Yeah, but everybody. Well, no, but Austin just gave me one. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you get li- you get host award. Ah, uh, best best host of four part series. <laughs> yeah. Well, best best and only best host category of one. I mean, you win. Woo-hoo. I mean, to be fair, I won. I I got one as well, which was an actual participation award. So <laughs> there's that. Can't stack up to Vince. I don't remember how many I got. <laughs> oh, wow. Must be nice to have somebody that you can't even remember. Don't worry. I, like, was, I was counting. It was three. It, it's like, hey, I, I, I was stacking you know, I was stacking $100 bills, and I just can't remember how many I had. Man, I just keep uh, running out of trophy cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did talk about a lot of companies. Um, and while well, you said before you didn't want to snub any, I'm sure we still did in this conversation. And so I want to leave uh, kind of the door open. We talked about uh, the email and the Twitter account. If you feel like we made a large error in either our voting or in the candidates for any of these categories, feel free to write in. We'd love some perspective on who you think maybe the participation trophy should have gone to. <laughs> <laughs> and Dylan, one more time, what's that Twitter handle? At MF Industry Focus or Industry Focus at Fool.com. All right, folks, that wraps up today's show, our four-part award series. And for that matter, that wraps up 2017. To all our listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in each and every day. Thank you for all the emails and the tweets and the reviews, especially the reviews. Especially the reviews. <laughs> we'll Emphasis be... on the reviews. <laughs> we'll be back in the new year with more industry deep dives every single weekday. Until then, you know what comes next. As always, people on the program may have interests in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. The show is produced by Austin Morgan. For Michael Douglas, Vincent Chen, Sarah Priestley, and Dylan Lewis, I'm Christine Hargis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!